have you ever been ghosted online after talking to a guy or girl for a while? Have you maybe wondered if it is safe to actually have sex during the pandemic or how do you have these conversations with someone? Or are you just single and want to learn how to pleasure yourself? Well, we're going to talk about all of these things in the super special roundtable Valentine's Day episode I've got planned for you guys. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Okay, everybody, welcome back to Pretty Sure. Today is a extra, extra special episode. It is a Valentine's Day special for all of you. I have two amazing guests. So we're doing kind of like a roundtable discussion questions and all of those things surrounding dating, toxic relationships, pleasure, sex, all the questions are going to be answered. Um, But before we start, I was actually telling one of the co-hosts today about a very, I don't know, a funny or random story that happened to me lately. But I was talking to this guy who, in my opinion, was a unicorn, you know, unicorn those types of people that you're like oh my god they match everything that I want how is this person even real started having deep conversations because I've challenged myself not just to ask so what do you do for a living you know but actually like who do you respect what are your pet peeves and so at one point he was like I'm actually tired I'm gonna go to bed um I can't think anymore let's talk tomorrow wake up this morning check hinge to see like what other people do I have and he had unmatched me And I was like, I'm sorry, we spent an entire day talking about deep questions and not even like, hey, this is not going to work out. Peace out. So anyway, I'm going to introduce my two guests so we can discuss all things dating and maybe they can give me an opinion because I'm sure this has happened to you guys too. So I'm going to introduce Rachel, who she's kind of like a pleasure, sex, positive coach, intuitive person. She has a podcast. She does all the things. And then there's also Jerry, who is the relationship expert. She is a coach on having better relationships, dealing with toxic people and all of those things. So welcome, girls. Thank you. Welcome. So let's get started. First, what are your thoughts on those things happening? Because I'm sure it's either happened to you guys or clients. So how do you deal with that? And like, why does this happen? Yeah, so this used to happen to me so often when I was online dating. It's just really, really common. And it happens to my clients all the time as well. And I think my main sort of like input around it is it says a lot more about the other person than it does about you. And I know that like when you're out there in the world online dating, it can be really hard to not take like what feels like that rejection to heart. But for me, what like really changed the game with it is when I learned to just be like, okay, you're not, you know, this says more about you than me next, like (laughs) save my energy, like move on to the next person. And like by doing that, instead of like sort of like 
dwelling on it and getting into my whole like you know feelings around like feeling rejected I was like actually this person has done me like a huge favor because if this is who they are then you know this is not someone I want to date this isn't someone I want to relate so like thank you for showing me that very very early on and that just saved me so much energy in the long run yeah I agree with that Jerry it's like um Thank you for saving me the energy of this moving forward because I don't want to date someone who doesn't have the availability to have a hard conversation of like, hey, you know what? I thought about it overnight. I'm not interested. It And if you don't have the availability to show up authentically and self-advocate for what you do and don't need, then you're not probably my person because I've done a lot of work to self-advocate and to learn what I do and don't like. And if you can't do that back for me, then thank you for taking the trash out for me. Like, that's how I feel. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Take it out. Um, yes. It's also like easy to get wrapped up in disappointment though. Kind of what Jerry was saying, like, and I have clients and friends that are like, oh, I just feel like I keep getting ghosted online. I'm getting ghosted online. And I think the biggest thing to remember is like, this doesn't have anything to do with you. It has, it's like, it shows so much more about their character than you. And that's what I remind clients is like, this has, everything to do with them and their character and nothing to do with you and how you showed up. Yeah. I love those two things that you guys say. And you mentioned two questions that I just popped into my mind and I'm really curious. So one of them is, now I hear from both of you, how do you know if someone's emotionally available and how do you even become emotionally available yourself? Like, I feel this is going to help a lot of people weed out the nasties out there online, dating in person, whatever it is. That's a think. There's like, there's those really common like red flags, you know, that are like, like you say, like the person, like Rachel was saying, the person who isn't available to have a healthy adult discussion and about not wanting to continue the interaction or the connection and just kind of like those, those signs of basically someone who isn't in a healthy relationship with themselves that they're not able to show up in that way. And you were saying earlier around, you know, like, why is it so common that ghosting happens? And I think because like with the online dating app and, you know, with our society in general, what has happened is we're just seeing people as disposable and it's like, whatever, like move on to the next person and not really having that emotional availability to have those deeper conversations. And I think what I see happening with women especially is that they then also become emotionally unavailable because it's a protection mechanism and they're like well I'll do you before you do me so they go into kind of like this this mechanism of well I'll go to him before he goes to me or like I'll do the thing and it's kind of like if you're not emotionally available yourself it's practically impossible to build a relationship with someone who has that emotional availability so I think it's like figuring out what that means for you first, like where your blind spots are, where you can kind of grow and learn and then get into like, what does it look like for, for other potential partners? Yeah, I think I'm single and uh, date men and women. And I think that one of the things I've realized is like when I have that first, I would say like first in-person conversation. So whether that's because of the pandemic FaceTime or it's an actual date, when I have that like first kind of like move on the texting conversation, 
if the conversation seems surface level and when I try to bring in like, you know, I love this, a great question that actually someone used on me on a date and I was like, I'm going to take that one was um, what are you currently consuming? And I love that question. And um, I like, I like to ask that. And then also like another one, kind of what you said, Sabrina, is that question on like, who do you admire? And if they can't meet me with that and or continue to bring the conversation back to like, I live in Colorado, so skiing or sports or this and that, and can't really go a little bit deeper Then I'm like, okay, then you're probably not, nothing wrong with you. It's just not what I'm looking for. Like I'm looking for someone that can go deeper and they're going to find someone amazing who loves to talk about skiing and sports and all those things. And I'm going to find someone amazing who wants to talk about like tarot and magic and um, (laughs) sex at dawn and all of these like deeper levels. And it's just different. And I think that's the biggest thing to remember too, is we shouldn't shame people because they're at a different level. It's just this recognition of we're not at the same level and that's okay. You touched on a lot of important points, but before we move on to the next question, I just have to say that I love your sweatshirt. So just putting it out there, (laughs) she's wearing a Harris sweatshirt and I just noticed it. And I was thinking to myself, I have to say something because that sweatshirt rocks. Um, (laughs) She's kind of like my idol. I'm turning 30 this year and I'm single. And um, I I love that she didn't get married until she was 49. I'm like, I've got shit to do before I get married. (laughs) Like I've got an empire to build. (laughs) yeah girl same I mean my parents got married when they were 39 they had me so like you still got nine ten even more years I do whatever it is we all well like me too because I'm also single as you can clearly see from my dating story that I just told but okay so question for you Rachel and maybe you can jump in Jerry as well so since you date both genders do you find it easier or harder I find it harder to date women honestly because things that you and I say as friends, right? Oh my God, you look beautiful. I love your outfit. Your hair looks amazing. That can also be flirting. And it's very hard Mm. for me to come sometimes differentiate between I'm like, is this woman hitting on me? Or are we just like friends? Right. And right Mm -hmm. back at like, I can tell someone I'm interested in like, oh my God, you look gorgeous. I love your outfit and things like that. And it's pretty similar. So I think me, the challenge is actually like flirting with dating women because it's, the things I say and the things they say are things that I tell my best girlfriends all the time. So there's not really like a huge differentiator, which I've realized in a lot of ways is I think why female relationships in our lives are so important and so strong because we're giving that like emotional love to our Mm -hmm. female friends in a very unique and beautiful way. And men, men, it's just like, I feel like women don't play as many games. I would say that too. And men play more games and you kind of, that's what I've noticed. And this is just my experience. And if anyone has different feelings, please bring them to the table. This is just kind of my experience. I feel men play a little bit more games and they like when you like, don't text back right away. And women are like, text me back immediately. Let's keep this conversation going. So it's a little bit different in those ways, but I think they're both beautiful and unique. I had a really great experience during the pandemic where I was actually dating a couple, a polyamorous couple. And it was like this beautiful, incredible like love that I got to experience and um it was really amazing so yeah that's kind of like my most recent dating experience oh my god I love that so many questions but okay Jerry your (laughs) thoughts on like dating both genders so like how have you had clients what do you recommend clients do how does someone go about it yeah so I only date men so I'm definitely not placed to talk about lived experience with it 
Um, but I do have clients who date both genders or, or who are kind of like experimenting with, you know, different relationship containers, whether that's dating both genders or whether that's going into, you know, experimenting with polyamory or finding out whether they want to be in a monogamous relationship or not. And the main challenges that I see with the clients I work with, most of them are kind of like at the beginning stages of that exploration. And it's just dealing with all the conditioning that comes from society. And that just like tells us like, this is what a relationship has to look like. This is what marriage has to look like. You know, everyone has to go like down the route of like, dating the opposite gender and then like getting married and being monogamous and I think it's really when I work with clients around like them exploring different containers or desires that they have it's it's like a process of like unpacking all of the conditioning and Mm. emotions that they're carrying that have been like placed on us by society so how do you know for both of you you Jerry as a coach and you Rachel having lived it like, if you're out there and you're like, oh, I don't know if I actually want a normal relation, like, normal relationship, man, mm. woman, woman, man, how do you know, like, when you kind of want to start exploring? I don't know if that question makes sense, but I'm sure there are people out there that yeah. are like, do I want to date, like, monogamous? Like, d- is this what I like? Or how do you start having that conversation with yourself? Oh, I have, I can speak to this from intense experience from this past year. I kind of, um, so I was raised evangelical Christian. So super, super, super um, repressed sexually, um, very patriarchal, um, very rule oriented. And so it was actually last summer that I started to think about the idea. I turned 29 and 29 in evangelical Christianity and single and not married is like, you're useless basically. And so I'm still deprogramming a lot of the things around my age and being single and not having children. And so um, one of the things I kept thinking about last summer, I was like, well, what if I don't actually want monogamy? Like I've been told monogamy is the only way to have a successful relationship. It's the only way to be healthy. It's the only way to be happy. And I'm like, what if I actually, what if that's not true for me? What if I don't want monogamy? And so I kind of started this journey. I joined, I don't do dating apps um, really very much. Um, I joined an app called Field though, and it is, for non-traditional relationships. Um, And I decided I wanted to start kind of exploring, like, do I want monogamy or do I not? That's how I met the couple. And I dated the man for a few months. And then he introduced me to his live-in partner and we all dated each other. And then um, she had some stuff going on and she's like, I can't really date right now. And so her and I ended and then him and I still date. Um, They're having a baby soon and I'm still dating him. And it's, really interesting and then I have um it's really this journey has made me realize that polyamory and non-monogamy is healthy and can be and can like you can have a very healthy relationship in it um and also that there is so much programming around what we should do and not enough questioning out of like what is authentic to us and I've realized in this journey that I'm don't think I'm monogamous. I don't think that I'm polyamorous. That's does it really feel authentic to me at this point in time? That could change. That's the other thing, realizing that you're what is authentic to you can change. Um, and I think that I would feel really comfortable. Like I do want a primary partner. Um, I do want someone that I like live with. And but I would also love that if we, in our relationship agreement we had group sex or threesomes or um, watched each other have sex with other people. Like, I think that that to me is what feels 
authentic right now as far as like my non-monogamy journey. I would love to be non-monogamous, but have them involved in the non-monogamy, if that makes sense. And that seems really hot and sexy and like what I really want. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like start exploring and questioning. And there are some really fantastic resources. Um, Sex at Dawn is a great book and it really talks about the programming and how monogamy was really created by white Christians. Also uh, the ethical slut, which is, um, so I'd say Sex at Dawn is more like the history behind monogamy and like why for some people it doesn't feel natural. And it's like, oh, because it actually wasn't what we were programmed to at the beginning of creation or whatever. Um, and then the ethical slut is much more like, okay, I think I don't wanna be monogamous. How do I do this ethically? How do I have an ethically non-monogamous relationship? Um, and in monogamy, there are so many avenues. Like I know a couple who they are non-monogamous because they don't live together and they have kids together, but they don't want to live together. And that's how they, that's, and they consider themselves non-monogamous. And I know, um, people who like kind of just are swingers and people who have full on relationships with other people and people who like live in basically a little village with their kids and their other couples that they date and it's all beautiful and different and I think the thing that I've realized in this is that we all have a capacity to have overpouring love and society has taught us that we can only love one person and that's the only room that we have and it's like I ask this to my clients when they're kind of thinking about non-monogamy or polyamory I'm like well which of your kids do you love the most right <laughs> Not, they're like all of them okay so like well why couldn't we love other people equally and differently so yeah I would say if you're interested start questioning and then start researching and reading and there's really safe beautiful containers people that are in polyamory are eager to teach and talk about it too I love that what about you so. Jerry what do you tell your clients to do or like what have been these questions that they have or how have they gone through you know their conditioning so one of the very first things that I do when I start working with a client is that we establish together what their relationship desires and wants actually are, because most of the women that I start working with, when I ask them this question, they're completely, it's just like a complete blank. They're like, yeah, I don't know. I just want to meet someone like <laughs> be nice to like, be in a relationship. They've got no idea what they want out of the relationship what their values are, what their like boundaries are, what, you know, what type of container they want to be in or, you know, all of these things. And like Sex at Dawn is a book I really recommend as well. I've read it and it was part of my, my coach training. And it's around kind of the intentionality. For example, I'm in a monogamous relationship with my partner now, we're engaged and we're getting married soon. And we actually had that discussion and this was completely new to me because I'd never done it with any other partner and I've never not been monogamous. But I wanted to have the conversation to be like, how, you know, how do you feel about this? Like, do you, do you also want to be in a monogamous relationship? How do you feel about, and like Rachel was saying, the knowing that like, that can always change and the permission. And we've also both discussed if we ever decide that we don't want to be monogamous anymore we'll have that conversation and like cross that bridge together when we come to it but like for now we're in a monogamous container and like just having those conversations is so empowering because there's been past relationships I've been in where I've been like I don't think this person wants to be 
monogamous mm. like I can tell they're mm-hmm. like dying to have other partners and then it just ends you know it can go into that kind of like shadow side of like you know it's you know they end up it ends up in like deception and cheating and like all those things yeah. because and I'm not saying that's the only root cause of this but it's one of them this kind of like lack of intentionality and open healthy discussion around on both sides like oh whoever's in the relationship like what is desired and what is wanted and what's needed in the relationship so that's like one of the very first things I do with clients because it's very difficult to continue any work with them if there's not that foundation because otherwise they're just going out there dating and meeting people and if you know there's no foundation underneath it it's just like and then as soon as they meet someone where there is you know the physical attraction everything else and even if they are emotionally unavailable and then they just like jump into it and they have no idea of like, what do I even actually want out of this connection? Mm, I love those points. And I think they're yeah. really important as well. Um, I actually, funny story that you mentioned that. I think one of my exes might've been interested in polyamory because when I was dating him, I ended up finding out he was cheating on me with four other people. And I was like, okay, well, that's wow. an interesting situation. And none of us knew. So that was just like a whole like a whole situation in itself. So I definitely think, obviously there were other stuff that was going on there, but a lot of people, you know, like you mentioned, they don't know that that option is available to them. And so they just go around life being like, oh, well, nobody's going to be hurt about this or, or like, who cares, yeah. you know? And it's like, check your desires, right? Because you could be with someone and cheating because you have unhealed wounds and you need to feel, you want to feel like everyone desires you. And that's actually your goal in this is like, I want to feel like everyone, like I'm desirable to everyone. And I want to feel, I want to use, I want to heal my abandonment wounds. I want to heal. And you can use these relationships as like a bandaid for that. That's a big diff. That's a whole different conversation than being like, I actually like, I love you and I love other people. And I just kind of want to like share love. Those are two very different things. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think checking your intentions, like I dated a polyamorous man and he was married with kids and he told me that him and his wife got into polyamory because she caught him cheating and I immediately was like I don't want to date you anymore Mm -hmm. like because I was like this you started out in like a very unhealthy way and you're using this as an excuse to cheat ethically and it's like I don't want to be with someone like that I want to be with someone who's like yeah I love my wife and I love my husband. And we also can like share love and experiences with other people. And it doesn't define our relationship. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, I've always said this and I like have told it to my friends who are constantly shocked. I mean, I'm like the crazy one of the bunch, (laughs) (laughs) but I've always said, you know, if these men that cheated on me or like cheated on their girlfriends with me, like two timing or whatever it is, if they would have come to me and said, you know what, I have a relationship, but like, I want to date other people or like my relationship's not necessarily working, but she, like, we can have an open relationship. I just want to have sex with you. I would have been more than okay to say, you know what, that's fine. But I draw the line, you know, at the other person doesn't know. And then I feel just like, I'm very awkward. Like, what's my position? Like, what can I ask from you? Like, what, what are we doing if the other person doesn't know? And then the whole thing of like, oh my God, I'm doing this. This is wrong versus okay, the other person knows, like, it's fine. Maybe it's not a forever situation, but like a for the moment, I can definitely do. And then I think that's what a lot of people don't understand, right? They don't have this capacity to talk to other people about, hey, I maybe want to see other people. 
So speaking about that, how do you actually bring it up with like partners or online dating or whatever? How do you bring up, hey, I'm bi, hey, I want to open up the relationship, hey, maybe we should see other people at the same time? Like, how do you have these conversations? I'm trying to think because it's so situational too. I love, I love Jerry, what you said earlier about like, what type of relationship do you want to have and how your female clients don't know? Because I have the same thing because I really work in the realm of like sex and pleasure with people. And that's my coaching. And um, same thing I'll ask, like, well, what type of sex do you want to have or what type of pleasure do you have? Women don't, they have zero idea how to answer it. And it's really interesting. So I think asking that, you know, well, what type of relationship do you want to have? And making it an open conversation instead of like, I need this to feel satisfied or like demanding things, making it a dialogue is the first step. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the sex part. Don't worry. Those are my next yeah. questions. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I love this part too. I think the dialogue is the most important. And also like I, I dated, I went on a date with a guy a few weeks ago and he had listened to my podcast. And so he knew that I was bisexual and he like brought it up on the date. He's like, you know, I really just don't date bisexual women. Cause I'm scared. They're going to leave me for another woman. And so I don't know, like, and I was like, really? But if we dated and I was straight would you be scared all the time I was going to leave you for a man and he was like no and I'm like okay so then what's the difference if I'm choosing to be with you and I'm choosing to enter a monogamous relationship um that was a really interesting conversation and I really realized that a lot of people have bias around that um bias around the fact that like if you like more than and I would even go so far as to say I'm much more like pansexual I I would like anyone as long as they're I'm connected to them like trans I don't care of if we're connected, I'll date you um, or try to. Um, yeah. So I think that that kind of answers the question. Mm-hmm. What are start. your thoughts, Jerry? Yeah, I think Rachel brings up a really interesting point about like the bias around sexuality, because for me, that was kind of like when I was beginning to have, when I first met my partner, one of the first conversations we had was around sexuality and my partner is bisexual, so he's a bisexual man. And in the past, I'd only ever dated, you know, heterosexual men. So for me, there was like a huge process of unpacking like all of my conditioning. And I didn't realize at all how much of it I had. And I had exactly those same thoughts, like, you know, like sooner or later, he's wanna, gonna wanna like, a guy and like what am I going to do then and but I'm like all these thoughts and the key for me was just being like totally open about it and I just told him like I know these thoughts are so biased and it comes from like all the rubbish I've consumed in society Mm -hmm. and my lack of education and knowing but these are the thoughts that are coming up and I just want you to know that and also I fully accept and embrace you and want to learn more about your sexuality and just being able to have those conversations and now it's kind of like you know we are in a monogamous relationship and I don't have those fears anymore and we've been together like over two and a half years but it is like we can have that fun of like if we're watching a film or something where I don't know like some actor or whatever and we're both like "Mm, he's nice and like the kind of like conversation where in the past like before I kind of like did my work around that I would have been like terrified I would have been it would have brought so much like jealousy and and then it was kind of like, and we had those conversations where you said, you know, like I've been cheated on by heterosexual men and like they cheated with women. So like it's exactly the same kind of like thought process. If the partner's going to cheat, they're going to do it. Like regardless of which gender it is or whatever. 
So it's kind of like, it is like the dialogue. And I know for a lot of my clients, that dialogue is terrifying. Like that, you know, the idea of even opening a conversation with a potential partner and saying, you know, tell me about sexuality, tell me about what type of relationship container you desire. And so a lot of the work that I do is helping my clients to build safety within their nervous systems so that they can go into these conversations because the outcome isn't always going to be like what you want it to be. Like the outcome might be you just get mm-hmm. shut down or the other person isn't able or willing to have those conversations. And so that you can kind of like save and protect yourself as you're going into, and also knowing, like knowing your audience, I guess, because there was mm-hmm. some dates where like, there was no way I would have those conversations. I'd be like, you know, this person is clearly yeah. not available to have this. And it's the same as like, I was always, which my clients always like shocked to hear. I was always really open that I wanted to get married in the near future. And like, I told my partner, like a few days in, like, I want to get married. Like, if you don't tell me now and we can like stop wasting time. And it's just so, it's scary, but it's so empowering because then you end up in a relationship with someone who wants very much of like the same as what you want and you're on the same wavelength. And then we have that foundation of knowing if anything ever comes up that we're capable of having the healthy discussions around it mm-hmm. and there was another point I wanted to address which kind of like came up that I've noticed as well of like we were talking about like this you know bias and like judgment around like people being scared to like experiment with non-monogamy or like different types of relationship containers and what I'm seeing a lot because I work with a lot of women who are kind of like conscious and you know they're in certain types of communities and now there's kind of like the opposite happening of like women who deeply want to be monogamous but they feel pressured or they feel that to be like woke in quotation marks they have to be like willing to you know experiment with polyamory or have like multiple partners and it's kind of like well no it goes like the opposite way as well if you've done like your your kind of like work with yourself and you're like monogamy is what I deeply desire then that's like incredible as well as long as it's from a space of like conscious mm-hmm. yeah conscious yeah. around it nothing is like not one thing is not like more woke or more spiritually advanced than the other the most mm-hmm. spiritually advanced you can be is looking inside and saying like this is what is authentic to me and this is what feels good like that is what it is and it can be monogamy it can be being a stay-at-home mom it can be being like a ceo with multiple nannies it can be like there whatever it is like it's what is authentic to you and makes you feel good yeah 100 percent. i definitely agree with both of you guys and now you both kind of touched on a really important point that i specifically want to talk about as well because i mean obviously you have the experience rachel with your religion and me kind of as well you know i grew up in mexico where it's a very catholic country like my mom was the type of person who always told me like you can't have sex until like you get married or until you've been in a relationship for like with years with a person and all of those things and so there's a lot of shame around like all relationships in general but mostly sex so like let's Mm -hmm. unpack that a little bit how can you start you know removing this shame around maybe I want to start pleasuring myself or like maybe I want to discover having sex or like maybe I want to try these things but I don't know how to try them like how do you get over those things I think the biggest thing is like reframing when we have these really deep deep wounds of like they go back to this idea of good and bad 
and reframing of like, this isn't good and this isn't bad. It just is. Me self-pleasuring is not bad. It's not good. It just is what it is. And it's what feels good to me. And I think that's the biggest thing is changing that language. The first thing, like mm-hmm. good and bad don't exist. Like what feels good to you and recognizing like, okay, why do I feel? And like, really, I do these things with clients and I call them like backwards road mapping where I'll have them write down, let's say a fear, a fear of like, I'm, I'm scared of masturbation. Like I'll have to write that fear and then basically like draw these lines with like, where is that fear coming from? That fear is coming from, I was told that women shouldn't self-pleasure. Why were you told that? Okay. Like, and let's go back and let's really get to the root of this. Cause when we get to the root of it, typically you realize that like, oh, this is so untrue. And this is just like negative programming. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first thing I do is like, let's trace back and figure out where this is. Um, And also this recognition that like our bodies, whatever religion or you believe in, like our bodies were literally created to experience pleasure. Like we were created for this. And when you think about that, it's like, oh my gosh, my body holds so much power, so much power and really celebrating that power. And it's a lot of shame to move through. And I I highly recommend working with a coach having a group of friends that you can openly talk about this with because the other thing is like there's even shame in our communities of like unavailability to have these conversations because you're scared your friends will judge you or you're scared that your community will judge you and so finding community where like you can openly express and be like yeah you know what I kind of want to try pegging someone and I don't know how to do it and I'm really scared but like something about it like really turns me on right And talking about these things and finding safe places to discuss it is so important to really continue that de-shamify process. I definitely agree. And I, this like question just came up because you, Jerry, were talking about like, yeah, we talked about sexuality right at the beginning and my mind immediately, like I've obviously recognized this nowadays because I'm like way more open to things and I've experimented and all of that. But like my mind went straight to, oh my God, but you're not supposed to talk about sex early on. Right. And so immediately I was like, wait, Sabrina, like hold your horses. Like you can talk about it whenever you want. And then it kind of like stems the question. There's a lot of people out there that still believe you know, having sex on the first date is wrong or like discussing pleasure, all the things that you like is wrong because they might think that you're not going to be like, it's not going to be a good relationship or whatever it is when that never determines it. But it kind of like brought this question of, okay, how do you get over that shame in general? Cause I have a lot of friends, you know, that to this day, they can't discuss sex or they can't just say like, if I would go and say, Hey, I had a one eight stand, they'd be like, but you know, that person's not going to trust you. Or like, they're not going to want anything serious with you. Right. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with it. Like my best friend basically had a one night stand with her now husband. Right. And so it's kind of like that, that tells you nothing. So I'd love to know. My last relationship. Yeah. It was four years and and it started with a one night stand. Like it just doesn't determine anything. Yeah. But you know, we have the shame and this conditioning, right? So what are your thoughts, Terry, on this specifically? I mean, I think first of all, it's like normalizing it because it's so so common and I think like most of us if not all you know have this conditioning and it's been so deeply especially you know as as women to kind of like be in this conditioning of like I can't tell a man I want commitment because I'll scare him away or like I can't tell him what I want or like and most women I work with they're like terrified to text a guy first like they just won't do it there's so much conditioning and fear around it And so there's a few things that I do with clients and it's just around like easing into the process of like, 
I go through evidence building. So like Rachel was just saying, you know, had a one night stand with, or had like sex on the first date and then ended up in a long-term relationship. And that's like happened to me as well. Had a one night stand, then in a relationship for two and a half years, a committed relationship. And then like moved in together and like all the things. And then with my current partner, like told him straight away that I want to get married, which like most people would never do. And two and a half years later, we're still here. And getting married, <laughs> it's kind of, it's looking for like all of that evidence of like, I know I'm scared, but like there is mm-hmm. evidence out there that is possible and that this can be done. And then going into the kind of like baby steps that I can take towards deconditioning myself around that. So one of the main ones I have with clients is like that they're scared to send the first text. They'll let someone when they're first dating message that like initiate conversation with them all the time and they'll never send the first text because the rules or whatever, like these outdated, you know, books from the 50s or whatever, like say you can't, you know, a man has to chase you and like all of this stuff and it's so deeply conditioned. And I say, you know, like we go through like, what's the worst that could happen? What is the worst that can happen if you send the first text? He might not reply. So like, if he doesn't reply, then you know, this is definitely not the person for me. But what happens most times is like, the other person, especially if he's a man, is so excited (laughs) that someone he's dating has actually reached out to him and like, it's made their day. And to, to, to be able to receive that as well, to be like, oh, you know, this person's actually interested and kind of like, and, and then I have clients kind of like experiment with that. And then when they see that, it you know it, it's not the end of the world and everything doesn't come crashing down they don't get like left by every single person they initiate those conversations with then it kind of builds that like muscle memory and that kind of like because it's all really in our nervous systems and it's all based around like how comfortable we feel doing things or not so it's like mm-hmm. then they can get a little bit braver of okay you know let me send another text so like let me have this conversation child stuff but like having the conversation with your child like how would I feel if he doesn't reply what can I do if he doesn't reply like how can I keep myself safe and all of those things and like building that safety for yourself and the first step really is like even becoming aware of that conditioning and seeing because I think a lot of women don't realize how like deeply rooted it is this idea that like you know if I tell a man I want to commit like he'll I'm going with these like very gender-based kind of like things Mm -hmm. because that's what I see a lot it's like you know men don't want commitment I'm like well that's such a broad generalizing statement and it's simply not true and we have like all the evidence in the world that there are many men on this planet that deeply desire commitment and for with the clients I work with who do want that commitment it's helping them to train their minds and their bodies to see that there is an abundance like there is an abundance of men out there that do want commitment and that's oh and it, it goes back to them owning in the first place that that's what they desire mm-hmm. because with all this conditioning they've shamed themselves into believing that it's not okay to want commitment or that's wrong mm-hmm. or that they're needy or that they'll scare someone away so it's kind of like yeah a lot of deconditioning as Rachel says like getting the support around it either being in a community that's going through the same or like getting a coach or a therapist or like whatever resonates. And like when I first started doing this kind of like relationship work for myself, I went to 12 steps and that was like hugely helpful. And just kind of like having a community of people who are going through the same. 
Yeah, I love that. I also loved like the point that you both touched, you and relationships and you and sex, Rachel, where you said most people don't know what they want. And I love that point because it is so true. So how do you actually figure out what you want, you know, sexually pleasure or like in a relationship or from another person? Like how let's talk about like sex first. That's remind me of the song. Let's talk about sex, but <laughs> well, let's talk about sex, baby. Um <laughs> So I think the biggest thing is you can't understand what you want if you are not deeply attuned with your own body. You Mm -hmm. cannot go into a sexual experience and be like, oh yeah, I really want this. If you have never masturbated or if you have never spent time just like literally exploring your body, you can't have good sex if you don't spend time with your own body. It's not going to happen. And reminding yourself, my body is important and I need to spend time with her. That is the biggest thing is self-attunement. And so when I work with clients, the first thing we do is we do a pleasure challenge and it's five days where they have to spend 60 minutes in pleasure and it can be, they can break it up. They can do whatever they want, but they have to spend 60 minutes in self-pleasure. And the goal is not orgasm. The goal is literally just to figure out what feels good in your body. And like, if you have an orgasm, awesome. If you don't also, okay. Cause we're just playing. And I, have clients like you let's do sensations like grab a silk scarf grab a feather grab an ice cube and put put play different sensations on your body see how those feel how does this feel um I think another really safe container to explore what you want is um ethical porn like that's a great way to start seeing like oh I kind of am turned on by this or I kind of like this or I never thought I could be into this Mm -hmm. and understand that you're pleasure and what turns you on is always evolving. There can be things that turned you on years ago that no longer turn you on. There can be things that have always turned you on. It's going to evolve and it's going to change and like allow yourself to play with that. And just this reminder of that, like, if it is consensual, it's not bad. Like there's no shame in anything that you're experiencing that is consensual. It can be kinky AF, And like someone could be like peeing on you in the shower and you could be like, this really turns me on, right? I had a client that had a lot of shame around that. She's like, I really like when my boyfriend pees on me. And I was like, okay, what's wrong? And she's like, I just feel like it's dirty and it's gross and I don't understand why I'm turned on by this. And we had to do a lot of de-shamifying. Like if it's consensual and you're enjoying it, then just enjoy it. Like Mm. do not get in your head about like, this is good or bad. It's not good or bad. It's your enjoyment. And also having safe containers where you can play with people, whether it's a lover or a partner or whatever, where you can explore and where you're like, Hey, I would really like to try this. Would you like to try this? And like having those safe containers where you can talk and explore and play together is super important. But once again, it all starts with yourself. You have to have an intimate relationship with yourself. You have to know if I arch, like, I know, like, if I arch my back in this certain way and, like, move my leg that I'm going to have an orgasm, like, pretty quickly, you know, I know that I really, really love, a, like, a bite and then a kiss afterwards. Like, I know that I like these certain things. And once you know these things, you can give your partner or your lover a direct roadmap to your pleasure, which is the greatest gift. No one's, no one is going to be guessing and, like, I don't know what turns her on. I don't know what she likes. Or when they ask you, like, what do you like? and 
so many women are like, I don't know what I like, right? Exactly what we talked about. You can be like, oh, I know exactly what I like. And here's the roadmap to my pleasure. They're going to be so turned on by that and so thankful for that because they're not, they want to turn you on. They want to make you orgasm. They want to have intimate connection with you, right? Mm -hmm. Give them the roadmap, but that roadmap has to start. You have to build it for yourself. I love that. And I think that's an important point you make. You know, when you were talking about that, my mind went to this whole, I don't know when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, but like that whole point of making BDSM mainstream. And so a lot of women and men just found out through the movies, they're like, oh my God, I'm so turned on by this. But again, like the whole shame of, but that's bad. But like, that's bad. That's not something you should like. So my mind went initially to, yes, you know, like when you see this in movies or like ethical porn, like you say, or things that people tell you, you can kind of think, oh, I'd be interested to try that. Like, I'm curious about that. So I think that's a really important point you make. Um, I mean, I'm a fan of those movies because they have brought like it to mainstream culture. A lot of people are like, oh, those movies suck. Like they're not really good. But the whole point was to open up the discussion, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to mean, oh, you like the cinematography or like, oh, you like the acting or like the way they portrayed it. But I do definitely think it made a lot of strides in, helping people kind of like figure out what it is they like and their pleasure and just be open to those things. Right. It made a lot of strides, but I would say that as being in the BDSM community, it is not a very good portrayal of it. It's non-consensual and it's pretty manipulative, um, their relationship. Um, so that's one thing, but yes, it was also the first thing that turned me on when I remember being like, a, I think I was like maybe in my early twenties reading those books. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is so hot. Should I think that this is hot? Um, and then I've done like a lot of deconstruction and rebuilding around BDSM and that it's like all consent based and it's mm-hmm. all like conversational and it's not manipulation, which you see a lot in those movies. But yeah, yeah exactly. I agree. It's opened a lot of doors. Exactly. Like you said, what about you, Jerry? How can you figure out what it is that you want? Not only pleasure-based, but also like, what do you want out of a relationship, a person, like out of the whole thing? I think it's like, it's a reflection of what Rachel just said, actually around, around body-based pleasure, the same with like relationships to know what your values are and what you want in a relationship. Like you have it have to figure that out for yourself first this whole cliche of like you know having to like love yourself first which I don't like completely agree with in the sense that I don't think you have to 100% love yourself because none of us ever do be like completely healed to have the relationships that you want but there does have to be like element of at least having the groundwork laid this is what I want I know how to communicate I know how to set boundaries I know how to create like containers for myself to do those things in I know what type of partner I want And that kind of like groundwork is really what I do with my clients. So it's around reconstructing and renovating that relationship with themselves so that they can then go out and have the partner that they want. Because another thing that I see that's so common is we're also taught to just present as someone like completely different when we're first dating someone. So, so many of the women that I work with are saying, I struggle to show up in dating with all parts of myself. Like I'm only showing, you know, the bright, shiny, like positive in quotation marks. And then it's like, then you're getting into a relationship with someone where they don't know anything about the real you and you don't know anything about the real them. And then there's a lot of surprises that come along the road. So it's kind of like being in that space where 
you don't have to like love yourself completely but at least like being aware of you know and what one of the things that I have my clients do is like write a list of like why they're amazing partners like what makes them an amazing partner like what does they bring to the the table like career or qualities or personality or looks ideas or value whatever it is because so many women are going into dating with you know if this person like dates me again or whatever they're like doing me a favor or like the lack of understanding of like who they are and what they have to bring to the relationship as well and it's just getting comfortable with with naming your desires and it's kind of like so many of the clients I work with they're like uncomfortable when I ask them the question of like what do you want and even like speaking out loud is really challenging and I'll like set a timer and I'll just have them speak desires like anything I don't care what they are just for five minutes just to get used to like that practice and to get used to that practice of like naming and unapologetically owning like this is what I want in a relationship in sex in life in career in like whatever it is and that these are my desires and going after them. Yeah, I love that. Okay, I have two more questions for you guys, but honestly, we could keep talking about this for hours, except I don't know who would want to listen to a podcast for two or three hours, but I have two questions I don't know, you. Joe Rogan does it, like, every week. So <laughs> he's Joe Rogan. like, three hours. <laughs> yeah. But, like, he's been doing it for 10 years. He has a fan base. Like, if we did a podcast <laughs> for three hours, I'm not sure who would listen. If you're listening or when you listen to this, if you want a podcast for three hours, let me know. I will gladly do that. But, okay, two questions for you. First one is on both of your sides and both of your expertise, what is one tip or one piece of advice that you would love to let people know? This question is always so challenging. It's like the one thing. Right. And I think I think like throughout the discussion that we've that we've had, like the thing that's really stood out is around getting clear on desires. So like my my one tip would be just to actually, you know, if you're in a space where you're not really sure what it is that you want in a relationship just like take the time get a piece of paper and a pen just like brainstorm write down like all the things if I had the relationship that I wanted what would you know what would happen in that relationship what would be going on what would it look like what would it feel like and kind of like getting really really clear what it is that you that you desire and starting to get familiar with that Mm -hmm. Rachel yeah um I would if I could like wave a wand, I would de-shamify everyone. Like that would be my goal. <laughs> Take everyone's shame away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the biggest thing is like kind of what I was saying earlier and it leads to summarize the conversation that we all had today really well is like this self-attunement. You have to be attuned with yourself and know what you want. And that goes for pleasure and it goes for dating. Like you can't show up to a conversation or to a relationship if you haven't gotten clear on what you want and you desire mm-hmm. and like de shamify like the fact that like I don't know that I want monogamy and the fact that Jerry wants monogamy like those are two very great beautiful things and someone will want those aspects of us and like recognize that like your desire does not make you less than it does not make you like less of a partner it does not make you less um available it's you're just going to find the person that it matches with or the people that it matches with (laughs) 
Definitely. And on my side, you know, from talking to you guys, it's also this point of, I still have some stuff that I have to unlearn, maybe not like consciously because I'm like a very open person. You know, I like love to discuss these things. I love for these discussions. Like I wish more people would be able to talk openly about these things. But when you guys were saying things in my mind, like in the back of my mind, like I mentioned, it was this whole thing like, oh my God, but you're not supposed to talk about that. And so I consciously had to make the effort of, wait, that is okay. Like you can talk to anyone about anything the minute that you decide. So there's still like a lot of learning on my side, which I really appreciate from this conversation. And before we end it, I really want to ask you both my favorite question to ask my guests. So it brings back and it ties it all into pretty sure. So I'm pretty sure at one point or another, you guys have felt like alone or misunderstood and it could have been a situation, a feeling, or even a thought. I'd love to know A, what that was, and B, what would you tell other people that might be going through the same situation, thought, or feeling? I think I spent a, I, one of the biggest things that I'm pretty sure um, about is the the feeling of too much. This is mm-hmm. something I struggle with a lot because I am loud and boisterous and I love talking about sex and pleasure and really nothing's off the table and I can be overwhelming to people. And this idea that like I'm too much, that's a big struggle that I have and a big wound that comes up a lot. And reminding myself when I get in these situations that like just because someone views me as too much does not mean I'm too much it just means that that's not the friendship romantic relationship person that I'm going to connect with and that's okay because there are a lot of people that see my muchness as beautiful and I can see my muchness as beautiful my muchness comes from years of healing it comes from years of unlearning it comes from repairing trauma like this is a beautiful part about me and not everyone's going to relate to that. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so that would be like my big thing that I'm constantly unlearning. <laughs> yes. I love that. and can highly relate to that because same. So <laughs> yeah, we'll have a chat one of these days and we'll discuss that. We can talk about deprogramming muchness. <laughs> yes. We'll do another episode at some point. We'll be like, okay, today we're going to talk about when you're too much. How do you deal with that? And what does too much yeah. mean? <laughs> right. Jerry? As soon as you said that about being misunderstood, what came into my head is in the period of my life where I was in one particularly very like mutual destructive relationship that went on for about four years. I remember feeling so much shame and so misunderstood and like nobody gets it. And it kind of like reinforced this kind of like bond with this person that I had, which is like, you know, us against the world and like no one gets it and no one understands and and often when I speak to to people or women who have been in destructive relationships there is that feeling of like you know I'm alone in this and there's no one else out there going through this which totally makes sense because there's so much stigma and people don't talk about it and so the thing that I would say is that there are people out there that have been through it and that you can get that support and also there's this myth that I'm like constantly busting which is that you know it's not possible to like heal you know relationship patterns and it absolutely is it is possible to even if you have been in unhealthy relationships in the past to be able to relate healthily and to to heal that so that would be my message yes to both of your lessons I love those okay one rapid fire question and then we can wrap this up if you could have anyone over for dinner dead or alive who would it be 
if, if, okay, whenever I, re- I post this on YouTube, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you should have seen their faces. They were both like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I live to shock people. So you guys just made my day. You know, part of me wants to say to someone. Oh, sorry, Jerry, go ahead. No, I was just saying you should have prepared us for this. <laughs> well, it's rapid fire. If not, it would have been as fun. <laughs> part of me wants to say like someone really inspirational, but to be honest, um, I've been really involved in this reality TV drama going on with Southern Charm and this one and Madison on Southern Charm. And right, is that, that was the rapid fire answer. Was that like, I want to have dinner with Madison and I want to know what the hell is going on with all of this drama. So. Is she the one they say that cheated, like A-Rod cheated on with JLo? Yes, okay. yes. So I'm like, I want to, I want to know. So I do not have like a really cool inspirational answer. It is like my reality TV addiction answer. I love that. What about you, Jerry? I love it. And my rapid fire one, like who just popped up into my head, I was like, Dolly Parton. I love her music. (laughs) And like, I just think she's so like inspirational and just such like an amazing human being. And I would love to like talk to her about her life and her lessons and like everything she's learned to be like such a badass. So I think she'd be the person. (laughs) My dog is named dolly after dolly parted oh my god i love that oh my god you guys have given me like the most creative answers because i think a lot of people even though i say rapid fire they go immediately to like okay who inspires me and i've gotten like oh barack obama like all these people and i'm like yes i love those but i live for these like very unapologetic like dolly parton like this madison girl from southern charm like yes go and be more you know kind of like I love reality tv who cares come and be more like I love these pop stars who cares so I love and I think it's really fitting for the episode as well since we were talking about like shame and all of these things to just be like yeah these are my people who cares so I love that um and I wanted just to say thank you both of you guys to coming here holding the space you know having this very very interesting conversation who knows we might have to repeat this at some point and like pick another topic and do another roundtable discussion but thank you guys so much and you know the links to both of you guys's contact email whatever it is you want to share with me so that people can reach out to you and work with you whether it's pleasure whether it's sex whether it's relationship or figuring out what you want both of you are amazing and whoever's listening whoever you go with they would be amazing to work with and I'm sure they'll help you unlearn all the patterns that you've learned throughout your life improve your relationships improve sex and you know if you just want to talk to them they're also really friendly like that's how we met literally (laughs) just reached out to both of them so you know things happen you can message and as usual you can message me as well on at pretty sure podcast on instagram and if you love this topic please let me know because i would love to do more of these with different topics different people so just hit me up tell me if you like it and have a happy valentine's day whether you're single in a relationship monogamous non-monogamous married with children whatever it is if you don't celebrate it as well have a happy day, have a happy Valentine's day. Cause that was the whole theme. Right. Um, and thanks yes. again, Rachel and Jerry for coming on. I hope you enjoyed the experience. Thank you. Thank you. Bye everyone.